Yeah, thanks. there we go. Well, thanks for doing this, uh, for one. Yeah. yeah, I'm pumped to, you know, it was kind of crazy because I was out there running and I saw you a few times running past me. And then, you know, I didn't even think about the fact that after, I don't know, probably well over what would be the halfway point, I didn't see you again, you know, and, you know, I guess for people that don't know, tell them what you did last weekend. Yeah, so uh, I ran the Eagle Up uh, Ultra. I did the 100 miles, and I ran a uh, 14.54.33. So I was about an 8.57 uh, pace for it. Which which just happened to be the course record. Yeah, by about two minutes, which, yeah, that was yeah that was wild to the uh, coming down to the very end. So Yeah, especially breaking Arlen Glick's record is, is a pretty huge thing in and of itself. Yeah, it's absolutely cool. Very cool experience, uh, it being his record. Um, but what a bunch of people don't realize is it was five years ago. So he is on four levels above that uh, now. So he could come back and crush that by two <laughs> uh, if he really wanted to. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's still, that's still some wild stuff. I mean, 1454, what did you go into the race with the intention of breaking the course record? Or did you just happen to be in that circumstance? So I did go in wanting to beat the course record. That was my main goal is running under that time. Um, I had a stretch goal of going sub 14, um, but there was absolutely no way in that heat. Um, but that was kind of the pace that I started out at um, well, a bit faster than that because I knew it was going to get hot. So I tried to take advantage early. But um, so, yeah, that was my main goal was to break that. And then uh, if that didn't happen, I wanted to run under sub 16. But I definitely wanted to finish because uh, last year, when I ran it, I ended up dropping at the hundred K points. So this is kind of my redemption year. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm curious about a lot of stuff, but I guess, I guess the first thing I'm curious about is what, what did you do to, I guess in the context of like your race prep for this race specifically, what did you do leading up to that in terms of weekly mileage or nutritional plan and all of that? Yeah. So this year, um, after February, I had a rough February. My dog passed away um, at the very end of January and uh, a couple other things happened in life and I was really down at the dumps and I was still running some, but I wasn't really focusing on myself or taking things seriously. I was kind of like that poopy pants mentality, like woe is me for about like three weeks and then ran with my buddies a couple of times and I'm like, okay, well, I'm making myself worse by doing this. Um, so I really was like, okay, I'm going to run every single day, at least 10 miles and I'm going to lift every single day, no matter what. Um, so I did that for the past three months. I ended up doing, I think in March, 365 miles. Uh, April, I think I did 385. And then last month I did 395. So I was definitely pounding the miles, um, getting, like I said, at least 10 in every day. A lot of my days are broken up. I run on my lunch at work. So I get five in on my lunch and then I just run the rest whenever I get home from work. Uh, so that really helped me out. Um, not fast miles. I just, do miles usually in the eight minute range somewhere in there um a lot of people are like oh well you gotta do speed work well it depends on what you want to do speed work isn't really necessary if you're trying to run 100 miles um it's not really going to help you out if you get injured trying to run at six minute pace for a bunch of marathons or for a bunch of training to run faster if you're doing ultras um but i ran a couple races to get ready i did the hall of fame uh, marathon here in canton ohio uh, at the beginning of May. Yeah, that was at the beginning of May. It was about four and a half weeks ago. 
Um, so I did that. I actually ended up winning the race, which was cool. Um, that was the first marathon I ever did like six years ago. So it was really cool to, uh, it being the last marathon they're ever having here, uh, winning that. And then, um, two weeks ago I did, it was called the Lee high or high Lee six hour race. And during that race, I really wanted to focus on my nutrition because that's what killed me last year. So uh, I went in just focusing on nutrition, had a little bit of elevation. It was a little bit on trails and then a bunch of like boy scout, uh, paths that were gravel. Um, and it had some elevation, but I was really focusing on nutrition and I really, uh, found tailwind. Uh, it's like an electrolyte drink works great for me. Um, and I never was able to take in solid food. So I wanted to focus on that. And the one thing that works really well for me is cliff bars. So I was just eating one of those every other lap and I was just taking two scoops of tailwind, uh, every lap. So that kind of gave me the confidence of, okay, I kind of have my nutrition down going into this race. Is that what you, did you exclusively use that at Eagle Up? So at Eagle Up, yeah, my plan was uh, three scoops of Tailwind in one of my uh, 21 ounce bottles and then water in the other one. And then every other lap I would switch and I'd do two waters and a cliff bar. Um, I ended up adding some things throughout on um, my buddy, uh, Dustin. He's like, hey, like, because I was feeling down in the dumps, he's like, try some Lay's chips. Lay's chips always work for me. The extra salt. <laughs> oil so i had some lace chips and that started working so i was having some of that every lap had some watermelon um some popsicles and then uh, a couple times i had they were like caffeinated jelly beans we saw them at walmart um but they're in like the sporting goods section um just to get some caffeine in me but other than that that was pretty much all i had so you know during a race that long it's pretty much 100 percent inevitable that you're going to hit some really rough patches and like some really mental low points what were yeah. the main mental low points you hit during the race so i came into this race under recovered from that 43 mile race or that six hour race I ended up doing 43 miles i was not recovered um but i went in with a really positive attitude i'm like hey i'm good um but i started feeling at my calves like 20 miles in and um 20 to 50 was okay uh after 50 i was pretty rough uh on and off my very low point was 80 to 85 i was averaging about like 10 and a half minute splits uh there's a couple 11 minute miles in there and at that point i saw the record kind of slip out of my hands i'm like i mentally was like there's no way i'm gonna beat the record today um and then luckily whenever uh i went around for that lap my buddy carlo who ended up running the 50 miler but he stuck around to uh, help pace me for a lap he's like dude, you're breaking this record. He's like, you only have to run sub nine minute miles the rest of the time. And I'm like thinking, bro, I just was splitting 10 thirties. There's no way I'm running sub nine minute miles. And then we started clicking off miles and my legs started to wake up a little bit. And uh, we just started rolling then. So he really got me back into it because mentally I was kind of shot at that point. So after that, was it pretty much like you were just dialed in and, and there were just, you know, small bumps in the road or was it, was there anything else that was significant? Um, after that, yeah, I kind of got dialed in, um, I must let's pull it up here, but we kind of worked it down because I said I had to go sub nine. So we went nine 30, nine 20, eight 54, eight 43. Um, and then that's when I went around the aid station. And at that point, my brother, uh, he started running with us as well. And, uh, I really look up to my brother. He's a great dude. And he, uh, broke his, um, he had Liz Frank surgery on his foot about a year ago and he got back into shape, uh, with running he's starting to get back into it he's never really been 
a runner runner his whole life is more of a lifter but uh he really wanted to get in shape so he could pace me for at least a lap at this and he got in with us and i'm like okay this can actually happen now it's only 10 more miles um and he really motivated me as well and we started clicking off uh faster miles i ran 819 then an 808 which 39 was the last time i had ran that fast in a mile so really dialed in there um i had asked my buddies i'm like hey can you put me at like an 845 pace uh, because I knew I just needed to stay at that. And they were pushing me harder than that, but ended up banking some time, which um, was good. And then just once I got with five miles to go, uh, I went around the loop. I'm like, okay, I can't really stop at the aid station. Got to switch my bottles out. That's all I can do. And Eric's like, hey, the record's 14, 56, 52. And I'm like, okay, I got 46 minutes. This is going to happen. And just walked it down mile by mile. So there, and it was it was a great feeling because I would, like I said, I thought there was absolutely no chance with 15 miles to go. Yeah, that's always. I think I feel like that's one of the craziest parts about ultras that maybe people who don't run it don't understand is that you is that there's these like waves that come in these shifts where you hit these points where you feel like you're just completely done, and then for sometimes no apparent reason, it seems like it just completely turns back around. Is that something? Do you usually have the same pacers for each race or, or is this like a different circumstance? Uh, so I, this is my first hundred I've ever done. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, um, my, the farthest I ever went before that was Eagle Up last year when I did a hundred K. Um, but my pacers were absolutely amazing. Um, couldn't thank them enough. And my crew, uh, my mom was at the tent the whole time. She was mixing the bottles of Tailwind and everything for me, getting my bottles ready so I didn't spend much downtime. Uh, amazing woman, supports me 100%. Then my brother was there. Um, Jim Cheney, who's the race director of uh, the Canton Marathon and uh, the Hall of Fame, uh, he paced me for 10 miles. Larry O'Neill, he's part of that. Uh, he runs the uh, Lawn Wranglers out of Akron. He paced me for 10. My buddy, Tyler, Tyler Pace, he won the half marathon at Hall of Fame. Uh, he was a college runner. He paced me for 10. So it was cool switching out all those different pacers. Then my buddy, Dustin um, Wilgoff, he is a uh, veteran ultra runner. He paced me. And all of them were giving me tips and tricks throughout that I kind of used during the race, uh, which helped me out a lot. Like Jim, he had done Burning River a couple of times. He's like, do high knees every so often and uh, do butt kicks just every so often, just for a couple of seconds, because it gets your uh, legs to open up a little bit more. And that helped me throughout. And then my buddy, Kenny, um, he's been to a lot of my races throughout the years. He actually uh, went to the Chicago Marathon with me last year. And um, he's been my buddy for about four years now. He was there pacing me as well. And I'm missing one more person. Oh, my buddy, Nick Murphy. He's just getting back into running. But he paced me for 25 miles. And all he did was drink water the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, that without bonking. He's like, he's going to be a beast. He just got back into running. But he is going to be a freak in the ultra world here soon. Did that, did that cause like any mental, um, any like mental or self-limiting thoughts? That was your first 100 miler. Did that affect you at all? Uh, no, cause I was supposed to do it last year and I was running with my uh, buddies uh, a couple of weeks or a week ago. And they said, no matter what, like promise me you won't drop out. And I'm like, I'm not going to drop out. Like I promised them that I dropped out last year. I disappointed a lot of people. I had pacers lined up last year that I had to call and say, Hey, I dropped out. Don't come. And that played with me a lot mentally. And 
I knew I could have pushed myself after the fact, after I dropped to finish the race and I didn't. So I was, I was determined. I didn't think about dropping out at all during that race. Do you think it was almost, um, almost like a performance enhancer that you dropped out last year, like having that thought in the back of your head this year? Absolutely. Yeah. Everything's a learning experience, especially in the ultra world. Like what happened to me last year was I drank nothing but Gatorade and I was taking in, I was eating gummy worms and stuff. Cause those usually sit well in my stomach. Um, but I wasn't drinking any water and I wasn't. So it was only in like the mid seventies last year. It wasn't as hot as it was this year, but I wasn't sweating and I wasn't peeing. So for like 20 miles, I was just in agony because everything was just sitting in my stomach. I probably gained like 10 pounds just of water weight. And then I ended up puking my guts out at mile 37 and my calves felt like crap. And I'm like, oh, I'm behind on nutrition. So I ended up calling at the 100K point. Yeah. You know, what even made you get into ultra running? Because that in and of itself is, is, is kind of a crazy thing to even get into. Yeah. Uh, so I originally... I, in high school, I was about 230 pounds. I played Call of Duty. I wasn't an athlete at all. Uh, I actually have a picture. Uh, which, I don't know, this is important. Which Call of Duty did you play? Uh, I was big into Call of Duty Ghost. I used to play game battles on that all the time. Black Ops 2 uh, was right around that time I was into uh, as well. And MW3, I think, was right before that. So those yeah, are kind of a huge MW3 player. Uh, that was a good game. Yeah. Going for Moabs on there. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't know how many I got. I got, I got a few. I don't remember how many, but a few. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, here's actually a, a picture of me whenever uh, I was 18 straight out of high school. So no I was shot. an athlete at all. Um, my brother is way more athletic and stuff. And that's why I think sometimes I have like imposter syndrome. I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be like a decent runner. Like I'm this 230 pound kid and sometimes it's hard sometimes. And you question yourself, like before you're going into races, uh, I had that problem right before hall of fame. I'm like, I knew I'd ran like decent uh, marathon times before I ended up running a 243 there. And I ran a 243 at Chicago as well. But I'm like, what if that just happened once? And that was a coincidence and it's never going to happen again. Um, so sometimes I do struggle with that. Uh, but I ended up getting into running. Weird story. I was walking my dog around campus. I went to the University of Mountain Union at the time. And I saw this girl that I uh, thought was cute that was running. Found out she was on the cross country team. And then a couple months later, I saw that or I saw that we we're having a 5K at the school in like a couple months. I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start running. Maybe I'll meet her there. I lost uh, about 50 pounds. I was about 180 at that time. Uh, and then I, uh, contacted my buddy who ran in high school. I'm like, Hey, can you like write me a training plan? So he gave me kind of a training plan and a couple weeks into, it, I realized she had a boyfriend. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't work out, but I already started running and I kind of like this. So I did that 5k. Um, after a couple months of training, I ended up running a 2002. So pretty quick for not much training. So had a little bit of natural ability there. And then after that, I'm like, oh, well, I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon because that's what 95% of runners want to do. So I trained half-heartedly for a year, ran the Hall of Fame Marathon, ran like a 326, um, kind of took 2018 off. And then in 2019, I got serious with running. I'm like, okay, I signed up for the Chicago Marathon and got in through the lottery system because uh, there's a qualifying time where you can get in through the lottery. I got in through the lottery and I'm like, okay. I'm going to actually do this seriously. So I told myself I'm going to run at least a 5k every single day, no matter what. So I started that in 2019. I ran the hall of fame half at the beginning of that year and ran like a 129. 
um, pretty much just off a of 5k a day. I didn't really do any long runs or anything. And then uh, that fall, I was going to do Chicago. Uh, ended up breaking up, uh, or a girl broke up with me at that time, and I needed something to fall back to, and running really helped me. So I started upping my mileage, um, got a lot of good uh, miles built up, um, met this guy named Kenny Maley. Um, he messaged me on Strava. He saw that I ran like the same routes he did. He's like, hey, we should run sometime. And we started running. Then he introduced me to uh, Taylor Sowers. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him. He's from North Canton. I do to run 4,000 miles every single year. He's a, he's a beast. Um, but I ended up running with him like three days a week. He got me in like great shape. And then at Chicago that year, I ended up running a 244. Um, so I dropped from a 129 half to a 244 in one year. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, well, I did a marathon. Now I want to do an ultra marathon. So in the beginning of 2020, I ran a 50K down in North Carolina. It was called Southern Four Ultra. And that was my first ultra experience. And uh, kind of from that point on, I like loved the challenge of just pushing myself further and further. I think around that time, I'd also uh, listened to Goggins' book for the first time. And I'm like, this is awesome. I want to do this. Yeah, that's uh, that's what got me into ultra running was, uh, was his first book. Yes. Yeah, I haven't what listened to Badly, but yeah, the first one I've listened to probably four times, five times. What What about it made you want to get like? What about it resonated with you to the point where it motivated you to do more ultra running? So, kind of like the suffering and putting yourself in suffering voluntarily. I I really like that because uh, I'm gonna be honest, my life is is really good. My job, um, really cool people I work with. I love my job. Um, my life, my life's very solid. So just getting to put myself in that suffering to prepare myself for the things that are going to happen further in life. I really like that. And just pushing yourself past your own perceived limitations really resonates with me a lot as well. So did you feel like you were, were you were doing that? Yeah. From more of a position of trying to reach something to improve or that you were trying to, um, I guess, come out of pain or, or go into like a better space, which one do you th feel like, applies to you more? Uh, I don't know. I just, running helps me mentally so much. It's kind of why I do it on my lunch at work too. Cause like, Hey, if I'm having a bad day, I go run. Okay. Well, it's a new the second half of the day. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I'd say both pretty evenly. And do you, what, what did running give you to start with? And is it, just giving you more of that now, or do you feel like you've gained new things from running like now that you've gotten into deeper distances? I feel like I'm, I'm always gaining something. The amount of friends that I've built through the running community is absolutely insane. Uh, I just posted on Strava 10 days before the race. I'm like, Hey, I need some pacers for this race. And all those people came out to support me. And then a couple other people came out to support me that didn't even say they were coming out. Um, my one buddy Ward, he ended up uh, coming out and running the last 10 miles as well. And, uh, during the race, I was super confused because he was running like 20 meters in front of us sometimes. And then he was like five meters from us sometimes. I'm like, what's this dude doing? Like, is he running with me or is he just come here to run? Like, what is this? Uh, he's, he's a friend of mine. And then at the end, he told me, he's like, hey, I was staying two minutes ahead of what Arlen's record was. I was being that pin. So as long as you stuck within range of me, you were going to break the record. And I'm like, oh, that dude's smart. I'm like, I should have known he was doing something like that. But at the time, I'm like, what's he like doing? Why is he so far ahead of us? So what, um, 
I guess what made you pick Eagle up as, as is, is, was this going to be your big race of the year or is this still in building towards something? So this was a training race as well. Um, the highly was a training race for my nutrition. Eagle up was a training race for distance, uh, in nutrition as well to get that kind of locked in. Um, my big goal race for the year is going to be Burning River 100. What made you pick that one as your big one? Uh, I think it's a bigger race. It's well known. I think I can do good at it. Um, kind of want redemption there. I signed up for the 50 K a couple years ago, um, had some stomach issues and had to drop out. And then last year I ran as part of a relay on, ran a really good leg. So, um, like I kind of want to do this. And then I ran that leg in the morning and I paced my buddy Dustin for like 26 miles that night. And I'm like, this is a really cool race. And also a couple years ago, I paced a buddy for uh, about 26 of it as well. So, I'm like, I know this course pretty well. Uh, it's a pretty cool course, pretty cool race overall. Uh, I think I could really do good here. Yeah, and when when is Burning River? I don't remember. Uh, it is July 29th. Okay. So, so, okay, that's yeah. actually pretty soon. Yeah. So are you going into it with pretty much the same strategy now as you've used for Eagle Up in terms of like your nutrition and obviously your pacing is probably going to be a little bit different because I think Burning River is a little bit more elevation game. Yeah, I think about 8,000 feet. Um, so not insane for a trail ultra. Very, very runnable uh, at that. So I'm definitely going to try to split the first half faster um, than the second half, kind of bang some time. That's why I did it Eagle Up. I think I split a 657 the first 50 miles which gave me an extra hour to spare the second half. Um, so I'll probably go in with the same strategy as that. Uh, you're not allowed pacers till mile 50. So I'll probably have two or three guys pace me the second half um, to keep, keep me going. Um, the nutrition works super well. One thing that also saved me so, so much uh, on Saturday was an ice bandana. So it's just a bandana sewn with just a pocket in it that you put ice in. And then I wrapped it around my neck. Like I didn't even like realize it was so hot out because of that that just i'd suggest that to anybody who's going to run in the heat yeah it was a, it was a cooker especially between like noon and 4 p.m it, it was just sunny and just cooking outside yeah i think it got up to like 88 or something i saw i'm like yeah that's pretty but like during in the moment i'm like trying to think of anything but that i just want all those positive vibes which my buddies were great at that like nothing negative if i said about an issue they're trying to find a solution for me which is just great having that team. Like I, I legit owe it all to them. There's no way I run anything close to that without those guys pushing me. Yeah. And I was, I was wondering, you're talking about like banking a little bit of time because you got, how, how do you navigate that? Cause that could be like a razor's edge of banking time is good because in the end you're going to slow down almost no matter what pace you run in the first half, you're going to slow down in the second half. But if you bank too much time in the first half, you're going to be trashed for the second half. Are you going mainly off feel or do you have general pace ideas in your head? So I had the pace idea of trying to go about uh, eight minute miles for the first 30 miles, um, which my stretch goal was 824. So not super, super aggressive. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. I ended up at 857, but still eight minute pace uh, for me isn't pushing it too, too much. Like I wasn't trying to go out at 630 pace or something that's more closer to my marathon time. Um, eight minute pace is about a minute 45 off my marathon time. So I'm like with the heat and not having the heat, this is going to feel the same as if I'm running eight thirties later on in the day. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And how much, 
And, and so do you adjust, did you adjust much based off of feel? Or does your plan work out roughly how you thought it was going to? Uh, so it definitely was off feel because after mile 50, my pace was kind of all over the place. Um, I had a lot of like 930, 10 minute miles uh, within there. And it was just kind of how my body was, was feeling at the time. Like I wanted to push to push, but I'm like, okay, I have 50 miles. And like you said, like how your legs feel ebbs and flows. And this was the first time that I really noticed that too, too much since it was the first time I did the hundred mile distance. Cause my buddy Dustin was like, Hey, like you're going to come back. Like your legs are going to come back. And I'm like, yeah, sure they are, dude. We're like 55 miles in this race. What do you mean? My legs are going to come back. But like at my aid stations, Dustin, bless his soul was like rubbing my calves and like slapping my legs like trying to wake him up i'm just like dude like that's that's just so much passion about it and caring about me so much like I, it's just insane you know and what what was like the biggest difference to you between the 100k you did and the 100 mile or what was what was the thing that i don't know maybe surprised you or that you just found to be a lot different than the 100k um, it's the same course. Um, I just, I just had my nutrition down was what helped me so much. Cause that day I was just miserable with all that fluid and uh, stuff sitting on my stomach. So, uh, also I think I've just mentally grown a lot more to be stronger mentally over the past year. And I've put in a lot more training. So, um, a lot of times in races, you can bank back on your cookie jar. What have you done in the past? Uh, so I really did a lot on that, putting in those 350 plus mile uh, months for the past three months. And knowing I've done a ton of strength training on top of that really gave me that kind of mental edge that, hey, I can push through this. Did you do anything else for developing the mental side of it? Was it just training or do you have other things you use? Like, you know, some people use like visualization, stuff like that. Do you have anything else that you used to try to develop the mental side more? Uh like I'm a big fan of audiobooks and listening to self-help things and motivational things. Um, I didn't really do that during the race. Um, but I also uh, try to wake up at five in the morning, and go lift before work. So just kind of developing discipline, uh, with that. And the one thing, um, uh, that a couple of my buddies have told me and, um, coach Labry, she, she was a swim coach at Mount Union for years, but she comes to all my races and supports me and always gives me tips. And she says like, just tell yourself, Hey, I'm getting stronger every single mile. And it sounds so silly, but like, if you mentally talk yourself up like that, like it literally helps me a lot every time. Yeah. You know, that was, that was the one thing I found the most interesting from like some of the things that Goggins talked about, like he talked about like becoming your biggest cheerleader, pumping yourself up. And when, when I did my first 100 miler, I started just doing that. It was something I'd never done before. I started like trying to give myself the self-talk and like pump myself up. And it was shocking to me how well it worked, even though I was like sometimes saying things that I feel like I didn't even really believe per se, you know, just stuff like, oh, I'm the strongest person on this course. Like I have all this, even though even if that wasn't completely true, it's kind of crazy how just telling yourself that in the moment seems to have some kind of positive effect. Absolutely. I 100% feel the same way. Do you, do you talk to yourself at all? Like then during the races, are you like having an internal dialogue or are you more focus on like just the task that you're currently doing or the miles in front of you uh, i have some internal dialogue like i said my pacers were kind of pumping me up the whole time too like hey 40 percent you're only given you've only done 40 percent. you got to break past that governor 
like you're gonna get feeling better um so like i said they they helped me a ton uh i i just with the miles that i put in um it used to like scare me if i'm like oh i have 30 miles left but once i'm past the halfway point of any race i'm like hey i'm counting down i was counting up to 50 and now i'm counting down from 50. uh so that kind of helps me like hey we're over halfway done hey we're three-fifths of the way done hey we got 15 more miles to go that's not bad what's 15 miles you run 15 miles all the time yeah yeah what and, and what did it feel like when you crossed the finish line? Like, what, what, what was the, what was that like initial feeling? And then that, I guess the after effect of that. Yeah, it was, it was very emotional. So when Eric told me that, uh, what the record was, and I saw it 46 minutes at that point with five more miles to go, I knew I was going to break it. And, uh, I yelled and you could probably, the people could probably hear it at camp. I said, let's F and go. And, uh, it was just, it was kind of like that victory lap, like, Hey, we're going to do this. And whenever I got back to the camp, how there's like, or to the uh, park, there's probably like, I don't know, a third of a mile to go and everyone's clapping and cheering. And a couple other people that I knew came out and were videoing from the side and they all started following me in. And it was just great. Cause it was, it was such a team effort as well. It just wasn't me and everyone else was so hyped about it as well. When I talked to Eric, he said like, there's a bunch of people that stayed over because they heard I was going to break the record. And um, right after I picked up my dog because I had to ignore him all day because I didn't have time to pay attention to him at the aid stations. Um, but then just celebrating with everybody, giving them hugs, like thanking them. I told my buddy, I'm like, dude, I love you guys. Like, and I mean that, like the, the things that they put themselves through, they sacrificed, some of them sacrificed their whole day to be there with me. Um, and it just meant so much uh, to me. And they all enjoyed it just as much as me. We had a text thread going of, uh, everyone who was a pacer to let me know or to let them know like hey if i was on pace i was behind they were offering to bring stuff if we needed it and i went back and read the text because i didn't have my phone with me after 20 miles and they were like counting down their miles they're like oh he's gonna do it and my brother's like texting what pace i ran for a mile and they're like let's go and it was just just super cool to read through how supportive they were and how they believed in me more than i believed in myself to do it at points yeah that that is like one of the most underrated things probably ever i mean maybe it's underrated just having even just a handful of people that are super on your side that are willing to push you as hard as they can and push you within or even past whatever limits that you have did you have so you have probably had people like that for a fair amount of your races then leading up to that yeah uh during marathons you don't really you for you throughout um that Lehigh that I, or High Leah that I did, um, that was kind of solo. I ran with my buddy Ward for like the first five laps and then I kind of took off on my own. Uh, and I really got in a zone during that race where I was just crushing it. And um, I got to the end and this gave me a ton of confidence going to Eagle Up. I got to the start finish line. It was a 3.1 mile loop. And it was, like I said, it was decently hilly. And there was 23 minutes and 40 seconds left. And you could do a half loop or you do a full loop. And I'm like, well, shoot, if I, if I bust butt, like I can still get another full loop in. And I end up going like seven, uh, 15 pace for those last 3.1 miles when I was already on 40 miles of tired legs. So that really gave me a boost going in that, Hey, I got more on the tank always. Yeah. What, uh, I don't know. Do you have, do you have any running experiences that you, you find to be like, 
that you found to be like exceptionally difficult or even just kind of like interesting, funny experiences that you've had while running races or just in general? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty terrible at directions. Um, so I've went off Thanks. course multiple times. Uh, one time it was at the fuzzy Fandango that's at, uh, in Mohican. I went off course when I was winning the race and ended up back at the start finish at 26 miles. So that was kind of disappointing because it was a 50 K. So I uh, ended up making myself go out and run five more miles. And I've had some DNFs. Like I said, I had that Eagle Up one the year after uh, that Fuzzy Fandango one. I ended up DNFing like 20 miles in when I was in the lead. My calves just started hurting and I kind of just sissied out. And I learned from it. It's like, hey, you you push yourself harder. You you don't do that. Like what's going to happen? Your calves aren't going to explode. That's not a thing. So uh, I try not to have regrets about things. You just you learn from them. Uh, last year I ran, it was called Yutzi. It was a 25 K. They had a 50 K as well, but my buddy was running that. So I did the 25 K and I came up this hill and you're supposed to turn left to go back to the start finish line. And I ended up, uh, going past it and going straight and starting another loop. And like 200 meters in, I'm like, I think I'm going the wrong way. So I turned back and say to the guy behind us, I'm like, Hey, I think we're going the wrong way. He's like, Oh no, we're going the right way. So I run another mile before I realize, okay, this is not it. So I started back and uh, I ended up getting to the finish line, ended up winning the race. Luckily, there was no one close to me. Um, but I thought that was a hilarious experience because I ran over two extra miles just because yeah, I can't miles. directions or redirections. Yeah, yeah, I got uh, I got I got off track with I was running um, at the, you know, the running with my nomies 50K. Yes, my buddy uh, Dustin, he, he ran that. I believe. Yeah, well. I was running. I think it was. Uh, it might have been last year, uh, and Arlen was there, running it. He was just running it for fun, so he was running with me and one other person for a little while, and we were just talking and running. And I was just following Arlen. I was just. I, I mean, his his easy pace talking is like my. I'm pushing myself to my limit pace, so I wasn't paying attention to anything. I was just following along with where they were going. All of a sudden, like we started getting into this weird thing. We started, we circled like back around to a spot we'd already been at and we got super lost and we were like wandering around trying to figure out which way to go. And, and eventually like, like we weeded our way back onto the course with, with some bonus miles, but it's always like a weird, it's always like a weird thing to then start back up knowing that you, you just ran extra for, for no reason. Yeah, especially whenever you mentally have the distance in your mind and you're counting down your miles, you're like, oh, I only have 17 oh, yeah. more. Oh, I ran three more miles. Now I got 17 more to go. Yeah, and even though it's like, in reality, it's like, it's not that big a deal. Like, if it's a 50K, it's like, okay, I've run farther than a 50K, so it really doesn't matter that much. But just, like, mentally, the expectation is killer. If Like, I have an expectation in my mind of I have this many miles to run. It's, um, I think I heard, you know, Andrew Huberman? Um, you ever heard of him? I don't believe so. Uh, he's, he's got some really interesting stuff. He talked about how if you have an expectation, your like dopamine levels are set for that expectation. And if you don't meet that expectation, then your dopamine levels drop you way below just like what your baseline would be without it to, talk, oh. to try to like motivate you to reach that expectation. So I, I've de- I feel like I've definitely experienced that in running where I had this expectation of like this many miles or something. And then when that gets taken away, then it's like this low point that you have to drag yourself out of to some extent. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I definitely feel that. And that, that makes sense. Yeah. So what, what is your plans for, for running in, in entirety this year? Do you have other stuff that you're trying to do 
in addition yeah. to river? Yeah. So in uh, three weeks, I'm doing a race in PA with my buddy Dustin. It's called uh, Ironstone 100K. Um, from what he says, uh, he actually won it last year with another guy. Uh, it's like 15 miles on towpath, and then the rest of it is like the most hellish hills you'll ever see and rocks, and it's technical. Uh, so me and him are just going to run it together just as a pair. Um, so that should be definitely fun, and will give me some elevation training for Burning River. And then my uh, next race after that is Burning River. Um, so like I said, big expectations for that. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then I'm hoping to do Akron Fool in the fall. I would like to PR there. Um, it's a tough course, so that may or may not be in the cards, and I'm not sure where my legs are going to be after running ultras uh, all year. And then uh, Tuscazor, which I know you're a fan of that race and uh, that yeah. park. Uh, I want to do the 50 there this year. I want to try to go for like the course record on that. What I is the record on the 50? Do you know offhand? Yeah, it's uh, about like 741. I think Jacob Conrad has it. I ran it like three or four years or three years ago in 2020. Uh, I got second. I ran an 805 and Conrad beat me by like 25 minutes. So kind of like a redemption run there. I want to get it. Uh, I ran the 25 the past two years. And last year I set the course record on the 25 miler. So I'm like, okay, I want to go for the 50 now. Yeah, yeah. The back half hills are what what really suck the most. You can hammer that toe path so well and then you hit the back hills and it, and it causes some some definite like mental at least it caused me mental anguish when i went through that oh yeah i i love it because of that it's like it's literally the complete opposite like like you said towpath and then 200 feet of elevation per mile like it's that course is legit half and half yeah i will say that i found i don't know i i definitely have issues pacing myself on flat races and the one thing I do like about trail races is it almost forces me to um, pace myself better because there's hills. So I slow down the hills and it makes that I kind of have the right rhythm for the entire race. Whereas like Eagle Up, that was, that was the first like flat ultra I've done. And I definitely did not understand how to pace myself super well on that one. So that was, that was a huge learning experience on top of many other things. Yeah. And it's... I don't know how you learn to do that. Like, I don't, I'm super good at just knowing what kind of shape I'm in. So most races I don't completely bonk at, but it's hard sometimes because you can't account for, Hey, it's going to be 80 degrees. And what's that going to do to my pace? Like it's, it's hard to account for those things or, Hey, how's my legs going to feel in 70 miles? Like, Oh, I don't know. Well, how's it going to feel? That's so, one of the things I found too really impressive about you running what you did is that it really was one of the first hot days, like super hot days. I mean, there was like a very few sprinkled in leading up to it, but your body essentially had no time to acclimate just in your training runs almost at all. So it was like a complete shock to go from, you know, pretty much like 60s and like lower 70s. And then you just hit 80, almost 90 and, and sunny. It was like a huge, a huge shock to, to your body in general. Yeah, in that training race I did, it was rainy and it was like in the mid 50s too, the 43 mile race. So, um, and I wanted to go out and do some runs and some hoodies to kind of get acclimated to the heat. Um, but then I was two weeks out after that race and I'm like, I just don't want to dehydrate my body and put my body through that um, before this race. Uh, like I said, the ice helped a lot and I'm, I'm surprised how well my body handled it because uh, I'm not a small dude, I'm about 180. 
Um, so compared to a lot of like the elite runners that are like 140, 150, like I'm, I have some meat on my bones. So I was surprised with how well my body handled it with that as well. But I was drinking so much. I ended up drinking, I think, nine gallons of water total and took in 15 grams of salt. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a metric fuck ton of salt to take in yeah. during a race. It's after the race, like there's just salt lines, like a ton of mild shorts. I'm like, yeah, it seems about right. But whenever you're drinking that much water, you need to have that salt to actually keep it in. Yeah. yeah. What are, what are your plans for them? Like even past this year, like what, what do you see yourself doing with, with ultra running? Like, do you, do you plan on really trying to hammer the 100 mile distance a lot more or do shorter races or like branch off into really like the two hundreds or something like that? Uh, so I de- I'm definitely going to go all in. This is the best shape I've ever been in in my life. Um, my job is kind of as a set schedule, seven to five, Monday through Friday now, which is kind of the first time in my life I've had that. Uh, so I'm going to go all in. I'm definitely going to finish out this year with my plans. And then going into next year, uh, maybe do a couple bigger races, uh, kind of put myself out there, continue my training, just learn more and more as I go. Um, I don't, I don't want to put any limitations on myself of, Hey, like these people are so much better than me. Like they are now, but if I get two more years of training in, where can I be? I have no idea. I'm not going to say like, Oh, I can only get to this level because why would I limit myself? Like with that. So, um, definitely a lot more miles to come and a lot more just really learning, uh, from other people as much as I can. And just learning from my own failures or uh, own successes as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the David Goggins "what if" mentality. It's like, I don't yeah. know, what if I get two more years of training? In? What if you know? Absolutely, and there are so many cool races that I still want to do. Uh, there's just so many. Uh, Moab 240 is something that's on my bucket list. Uh, probably Badwater as well, which was would probably be a couple years down the line because I kind of got to save up money if you're going to travel out there and travel yeah. with. Yeah, that, that is so expensive. That's what you. That's what they don't really say it to you like looking to signing up and like Moab isn't Moab. I, I want to say you're, you're looking at like maybe 1500 bucks to two grand or something like that. I think. Yeah. Probably somewhere about that. And that's without your travel or anything on top of that. And if you're going to have crew go out with you or pacers go out with you, uh, if I have pacers going out, they're not paying for it. I'm going to pay for it. So that'd be something that's way, way in the future, but yeah. So uh, I, I guess I usually, um, and the podcast with this of is there a moment that you would consider to be the single most impactful experience or thing that happened in your life? Uh, I'd say probably back in 2019, whenever I went from that 129 to the 144, that kind of broke a lot of limitations that I had in my mind because a couple of years of training before I had that and I ran like a 326 and a 319 marathon. I thought, hey, maybe it's not physically possible for me to run sub three and qualify for Boston. Maybe that's just not something I'm able to do. So whenever I completely shattered that barrier, it kind of opened up a whole new world to me of don't put limitations on yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I was really, I don't know. I was pumped to do this. And I, I think I, I mean, I think you're probably gonna do some wild shit, you know, in the, in the next few years. So it's, it's real cool to, I don't know, just to, to see it. It was cool to be at the start of that. Cause I feel like you're going to have so much progression in the next few years. if like continuing that same path. So 
Um, I guess is there, if anyone wants to find you on like social media or look you up or anything like that, where can they find uh, you? Yeah, my uh, my job is just Heath Goshorn. Um, my uh, Instagram handle, um, I have one that's Heath Goshorn, and then I have one that I post all my running stuff. It's uh, Heath underscore S-A. Um, on there, uh, those are kind of the two that I use mainly. But so I want to talk to you for a minute, though. What what did you learn from Eagle Up? Um, I, I learned that uh, first in terms of like the more technical side, I learned that um, one, I need to be more conscious with my pacing. I, I think I maybe overestimated what pace I should start off with for for the beginning. I would say like 50K or so. Uh, I think I did not give myself appropriate stops. Um, my nutrition, I deviated from my normal nutrition plan more than I should have. I think I had more sugar than I normally would. And it seemed to it seemed to mess with my stomach in the long run, like around mile 70, I had just terrible stomach issues that went for the rest of the race. I think that was probably a combination of the heat and then also probably intaking a lot more sugar than I normally would in terms of, I guess, in terms of the mental side, I think I went into it with the goal of a hundred miles. <clears throat> and when I realized that I was not going to get the 100 miles, I, gave up on essentially the whole thing. I mean, I pushed myself within the 86 miles that I did, but I, I could have gone back out for at least another lap and, and probably, you know, gotten through because I, I didn't finish out the full 24 hours. And once I got to that point, I was like, maybe I get another lap and maybe I don't. Cause at that point I was just kind of like death marching it and like walking. And in my head, I was like, eh, I'm not gonna get a hundred miles. So what's the point of, going back out there for another lap, you know, and, and, and I don't know, just in the moment, I kind of realized I was quitting on myself a little bit, but I was just like, ah, whatever, it doesn't matter. Cause you know, my goal was hundred miles and I didn't get that. So I think going into my next race, I, I think I need to go into it with the goal of, I am, going to the finish no matter what and i'm not setting i'm not i'm trying i'm going to try not to set necessarily a mileage goal or a distance goal uh, i'm just going to set of like push my pace as much as i can and as smart as i can and go to the finish because it, i knew better than i think to quit on myself i knew i'd be a little bit upset if i if i quit early the tuscazor i had like the goal of 100 miles and i just knew like i will not quit i will keep going no matter what and i was very satisfied with my effort so going into this, I think I just lacked as much preparation in terms of setting very clear goals for me that were, you know, at, at, at different levels. So, you know, like even you mentioned how you had like, well, I wanted to break the course record, but I want to at least go sub 16. Like you had, you had multiple goals stacked. So if maybe one didn't happen, you have multiple things to aim at. So I think that is something I, I needed to do is have multiple stages that I could aim at. Um, in terms of everything else, I think also just another thing I learned is that I just need more time training to be in better shape. Um, so I can, so I can at least keep a more consistent pace throughout the end, you know? So, uh, I, I guess that was the main takeaways that I think the number one thing I'll remember from this race is just that I am not going to stop until I am finished with whatever the race goal is, whether that be a hundred miles, whether that be time, 
um, that it's more important to not quit on myself than attain some distance goal or, you know, time goal. Uh, so yeah, those are probably my main takeaways from that race. Yeah. So I do have to give it to you because last year, one of the reasons I didn't quit it 62 miles as well, because I want to set the course record last year. I didn't have the training behind me to do that. And like I said, my nutrition was a mess, but I knew I wasn't going to reach the course record. So that was one of the reasons I dropped out uh, as well. So I have to give it to you for sticking out there for 22 and a half hours, especially through the darkness, just marching and keeping going, because that is definitely something mental. It's easy to go out there and do it whenever things are going right that day. But when shit hits the fan to continue for that many hours, even just slowly walking whenever you're in terrible pain. <laughs> Yeah, slowly walking. <laughs> yeah, like just like I said, like I was in pain for like probably eight eight hours of it. But to do that where you're probably in pain for 14 and I can't imagine how tired you were at the end. Whenever uh, I got done, I went and sat down in the chair. I couldn't put weight on my left foot. Like my brother gave me a piggyback ride to the car and I was nauseous and I got home and I used crutches to get in my house and crawled up my stairs went in the bathtub and I was soaking. This is only at like midnight. So you walked for six hours after that. And I fell asleep in the bathtub. Well, <laughs> that, that was something I was going to ask you. I was, I, was gonna, I was curious as to like what your physical condition was after you finished the race. Uh, I was, that was like the worst I ever felt. Like it was, it was absolutely terrible. And I didn't know if I like broke my foot or what, cause I had a rock in my shoe for about 60 miles and my, <laughs> and it was probably making me run kind of weird. Um, but I know in ultras, whenever you start messing with your shoes, that's all you get done doing. And I accidentally put the bracelet that like kept your time uh, around my ankle too tight. So mm-hmm. I like special antibiotic uh, ointment because it got rubbed raw. And I knew my, five miles in, I'm like, I put this on too tight and this is going to be absolutely terrible. But I didn't want to mess with it. And it kind of went away until my buddy was pouring water down my back and all that salt got in that wound. And I'm like, dude, Kenny, I appreciate you trying to cool me down, but you got to stop that because that's just pain for like three minutes straight when that happens. Yeah, I made the exact same mistake. I, that was the first time I've ever had an ankle tracker like that. I've always just had, you know, like the race bibs with the chip on it. And I didn't even think about it. And I put it on my ankle and I wrapped it like very comfortably, like in terms of tightness around my ankle at the start. And I gave no thought to like, okay, my, my ankle is probably going to be swelling a little bit. And also, you know, I have whatever you would call the socks. Like the socks did not come up past where the tracker was. They were below it. So the tracker, you know, was just like rubbing on my skin. And after like eight miles, it already was starting to like rub me raw. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I, I did. I, I ended up like taping up um, the area a little bit to try to keep it from rubbing within the work. But then my, my ankle swelled into the, into the tracker and cut off some of the blood flow to my my right foot oh. and, and I, it was it was it was like real nasty because when i cut the or when i like ripped the tracker off it was like just like right below it my ankle was just like a bubble of of just like fluid that was just sitting in there and and i realized that a lot of the pain that i had in my foot was from the tracker because right after the race i couldn't put any pressure on my right foot at all but I could put a, like a little bit of pressure on my left foot. So I, I, I think that, that that was definitely another learning experience to, you know, go back to your question. Another learning experience is something with that tracker is one, I probably need to come with like 
I don't know, whatever crew socks or something that can like protect my ankle from a tracker like that. And then also um, not, not wrap it so tight and account for swelling, you know? Yeah. Cause I had wore one in there in the last race and like, they didn't do anything. And that one was like a Velcro one cause they reused them, but this one wasn't, it wasn't a Velcro. It was like sticky. So you couldn't really uh, redo it. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just suffer through this and deal with it afterwards. You didn't have any type of barrier between that and your leg at all. You just rocked it the entire race. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, pictures afterwards too. You could see where there's blood between my sock and my, my tracker where it was bleeding. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost like all the way around. Like it was like, it looked, it was bubbled up. It looked like I had like third degree burns. Yeah. I was going to say no shot. You got out of that entire race without some type of like serious chafing. Yeah, that was uh so I used squirrel nut butter and that usually helps a lot. Um, the only other place I really chafed uh, was around my neck a little bit where I had it, uh, the bandana tied and then um, around my hips. Cause I didn't put squirrel nut butter there. So my shorts like rubbed a little bit. Cause you can kind of see in the finish. My shorts are like pulled down like two inches further than they should be. So <laughs> pulled them down and put some squirrel nut butter there. But but surprisingly for how hot it was, yeah, I thought it was gonna be way worse with chafing. Yeah, yeah, I got away with a little bit, but all right. Yeah, I mean, this has been this has been great, man. I appreciate a lot that you you coming on and kind of sharing your whole experience. I found it super fascinating just hearing about all the absolutely. Do you have any other races coming up this year? Um, I don't have anything planned. I'm going to see how I feel in like the next few weeks. I, I thought about doing the, um, five lakes ultra. Uh, it's like, I think it's a new one that's put on that Eric, uh, is putting on too. So I thought about doing that. They have, I think every distance between like 50 K and 200 miles. I thought about doing, or I think they have a 50 K, a hundred K and then like a hundred miler. I thought about doing like the hundred K there. I think that's in mid august i think and talk about doing that and see how that goes and and I, i've been toying around with the idea of doing canal corridor i'll have to i'll, I'll just kind of play it by ear and see usually i do like one bigger race each year like like usually one attempt at 100 miles and then kind of see how everything goes after that so i'll, I'll see how my training goes but i'm sure i'll probably be doing at least another 50 miler or 100k or something like that nice so do you do like exclusively like Eric's races? Cause it looks like most of the ones that you've done have been his. <laughs> it's, which it wasn't even intentional. You know what I mean? It, it was like, I just randomly picked out the fifth, uh, the running with my Nomi's 50 K. That was my first ultra just because I wanted to do an ultra and it just happened to be the one that was closest in terms of like time. So I just picked that one. And, um, my friend, Bob Moore, I'm not sure if you know him. Yep. Uh, yeah. So he, uh, he's the one who originally told me I should do like, I think I had signed up for the Tuscans or 50 miler. That was my intense, um, in 2021, I was going to run the 50 miler and then in 2022 go for a 100 miler. And then he like early in the year texted me and he's like, Hey dude, you've been, you know, you've been killing it with your training, which, you know, I wasn't on Strava at the time. So he literally had no clue what my training was. He literally could, he didn't know. I could have been not running at all for all he knew. He was like, you've been killing your training. You should bump up to the Tuscazora 100 instead of the 50 miler. So then I I listened to him, you know, because I was like, you know, I can't not accept that offer now. Now that he's like put it in my head. So then I I upgraded to the 100 miler and then ended up running that. So that's my, that's been my first and only 100 miler. Um, 
and got, I got a stress fracture from that. So I ended up taking a lot of time off the next year. And then this year, um, this was, I guess my first real attempt, I was trying to get 124, which obviously didn't work out. So, you know, um, but yeah, it just kind of so happens that all the races I am interested in just happen to be Jer- uh, happen to be Eric and Jeremy's races. And also like they put on like the vast majority of the ultras in Ohio. So it's like, you know, aside from like canal corridor and like burning river, I can't think of, are there any other bigger races? Aside uh, from the- Not really bigger on this side of the state that I know about. I know there's like Regal Beagle and uh fuzzy Fandango. Those are, those aren't like big races, but yeah, they, they put on good races and that Tuscasaurus. Yeah a cool place to run at so and that sounds exactly like bob you kind of that just <laughs> exactly like something that he would do so yeah. which again you know the power of having you know good friends around you that are willing to push you he's literally at every race i don't think i've ever been at a race he hasn't been at oh yeah yeah he gets his like prostate yanked out and he's like i'll run a race in like a month or so or probably <laughs> i saw him all the fame and he's like oh i'm just like two weeks post-op i'm about to <laughs> Marathon, I hope to go under this, and then he completely kills the time he wanted to do. I'm like, yeah, wow, I appreciate that. Yeah, Bob's a savage. All righty. Well, I think I think we covered everything. Is there anything else that you know you want to say? I guess before we end. No, uh, now that I can think of, I appreciate you having me on. I had a great time talking to you. Yeah, hell yeah, man. All right, um, and I'll um, whenever I post this up on my YouTube and stuff, I'll, I'll send you the links for all that. And okay, awesome. Uh, yeah. That's, I guess that's it. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day, man. Hell yeah. You too.